This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM, 103.1 FM WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore and the Catholic Review. In the age of the coronavirus pandemic, families and individuals are facing new levels of stress and anxiety. What are some of the ways of dealing with the pressures and uncertainties brought on by the pandemic? What role does spirituality play in helping us through the crisis? Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist, best-selling author of more than 50 books, and Professor Emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore, will answer some of those questions on our show today. Dr. Wicks has worked extensively in the area of secondary stress, the stress that is often associated with caregivers. He was responsible for the psychological debriefing of relief workers evacuated from Rwanda during that country's bloody civil war. In 1996, he was awarded a papal medal from St. John Paul II in recognition of his service to the Catholic Church. We first spoke with Dr. Wicks this spring. Here's our conversation. Dr. Robert Wicks, there are so many added stresses brought on today by the pandemic. In addition to worrying about just not getting infected, people are suddenly faced with all these economic hardships, not to mention all the new responsibilities they have in trying to educate their children and worrying about elderly parents and so many other areas. What are some practical tips that you might have for people to try to alleviate some of the stress that they're experiencing these days? I think the first thing you have to do is lean back and recognize that during a pandemic or or any other crisis, it's not the amount of darkness in the world that matters or even in your country or your church or or even in your family or yourself that matters. In the end, it's how you stand in the darkness. So our perspective, you know, the way we view the world and ourselves is key during this time of crisis. And I think one of the things that underlies a healthy perspective is balance. So, for example, staying informed is good. Being overwhelmed with negative emotion is bad. Uh, I remember a physician at Walter Reed Army Hospital said to me, you know, during a question and answer period, I asked you a question and your your answer made all the difference. And he, I said to him, well, what was the question? He said, well, I said that I had just got back from Afghanistan and I knew that they were gonna deploy me again. And what would happen is I would go home, turn on TV, see the negative stuff, and then just feel overwhelmed. And I said, well, what did I say to you? And he said, you you told me that I could watch TV, but when I started to feel that that experience happening, just shut the darn thing off. Mm-hmm. And that simple response, so five minutes in the morning is fine to keep yourself aware but constantly focusing on that same theme of the, the you know, COVID-19 doesn't make any sense. Being compassionate is good, but ignoring your own needs is bad. So now we have 
homeschooling. We have different arrangements that, that really stress us. Uh, there's ways that people are trying to figure out, you know, how they can support, uh, you know, their older parents or others in the neighborhood. And that's great. That's, that's terrific. But you also need to recognize that one of the greatest gifts you can share with others is a sense of your own peace, but you can't share what you don't have. So trying to have a few moments to yourself, such as, you know, when you're in the bathroom, when you're in the shower, before you get out of bed, before you fall asleep, that silence, solitude, and gratitude that, that you're present in this world can make a difference. Balance between concern is good, you know, but worrying is a waste of time and emotionally dangerous. So that being concerned about reasonable ways to stay physically healthy and help others makes a lot of sense. However, free-floating anxiety or worrying only serves to dissipate the very energy we need to offer others and keep a healthy perspective ourselves. What people don't realize is the self only has so much energy. And if we empty that psychological and spiritual reservoir, we're in trouble. So we need to focus what do we have power over and what we don't. And that can help us remain resilient. Balancing between the positive is good. You know, you want positive things in your life. But listening to PR that is not based on facts is not good. I think uh, those in the media and government who help us surface what is good during a crisis can really help us avoid focusing solely on the negative. But when they present things that are not true, then, then we feel betrayed by them. I think balancing a deep faith in God or something larger than ourselves, but expecting religion to protect us from, from pain is, is misguided. You know, I think when we believe in God, you know, we, we recognize that we have an excellent orienting point. I think faith is a GPS. It can direct us. But we need to recognize that when we put such faith, you know, in others because there are religious leaders or, or, or you know, they, they somehow are a spiritual figure in our life, that's unfair to them. They're not God. And I think that one of the things that we really want to do is keep that faith, but know the difference between faith and religion. Religion is the necessary bridge to faith, but faith is something else. And then I think finally having a circle of friends to check in is good, but you need a group of friends. You know, if we just have negative friends, it, it doesn't work. If we just have positive friends that get us involved in spiritual romanticism. It doesn't work. I think we need the prophet that says what voices are guiding us. We need the cheerleader that's sympathetic. We need the harasser or teaser that helps us when instead of taking God seriously, we take ourselves too seriously. And finally, we need the inspirational friend, you know, who calls us to be all that we can be without embarrassing us that we are where we are. So those kinds of balances, I think, can really help us. What effect does excessive worry have on a person physically? You had mentioned the emotional toll, but is there also a, a physical toll? Oh, sure, because what you're doing is you're often telling, your brain is telling your body that it's time to run or attack. 
You see, when you have a worry, it, it, it's very, you, you know, your body really wants to help you. So if you have a concern, you know, if you see a train coming right at you, obviously you want your body to, to really actualize itself at a high level so you can get out of the way of the train. If you spend all that energy on worrying about a train hitting you, then what happens is it develops ulcers, uh, it causes your blood pressure to rise, it causes undue stress on, on the systems that, that really can't stand that constant alert. So it has a physical issue and it has a, a psychological issue and of course it has a spiritual issue because it has to do with what version of faith we're following. I think children can really pick up on a lot of this um, from their parents. If their parents are being overly worried about things, I think it sort of rubs off on their children, and the children know that something something different is going on, something unusual is at hand. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for parents on how to reassure their children during this time, especially when the parents themselves might need the same reassurance? Yeah, I think that if the parent first focuses on what they control, what they can control and what they can't, uh, that's important. I think also um, Mr. Rogers, the former uh, TV personality, when he would get worried, his mother would say, keep your eye on the helpers. Focus mm -hmm. on the helpers because they're the ones that are reaching out to others. Now, there is a difference between little children and adolescents. With little children, they just need basic reassurance. And when you have adolescents, you need to have a discussion about what the stresses are so you can pick up what, what they're concerned about because simple reassurance will not work with adolescents. Mm -hmm. So you need to separate them from the table at certain points and offer those different kinds of support. And adolescents are dealing with their own kind of loss, whether that's not being able to go to the prom or their graduation. How important is it for parents to recognize that loss? Well, I think that, that, that first of all, you need to ask them, obviously, what's their sense of it? And then the first reaction often is very terse. You know, this stinks. You mm -hmm. know, this is awful. Or this didn't, doesn't have, didn't happen to my sister or my brother or whatever. That needs to be listened to and expanded upon. Uh, so you try to pull them out and get the aspects of what they're concerned about because people get concerned in different ways about different events. When I was at the bedside of a woman who had a miscarriage in the final trimester of her pregnancy, rather than just assuming I knew what was touching her, I said, what about this loss particularly makes you sad? And she said, I will never know this little person. I won't know whether he was going to be a hyperactive boy or she was good, the child was going to be a quiet girl that you never knew what she was thinking, but you knew she was up to no good. It was the, the question of not knowing that personality. I wouldn't have gotten that information. She wouldn't have gotten a chance to express it if I just assumed that I knew what was going on. The same with adolescents. Our guest today is Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore. We're going to take a little break and we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio.
Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore welcomed five new priests during a solemn yet joy-filled liturgy at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Baltimore, August 22nd. Archbishop William E. Lorry ordained Fathers Zachary Crowley, Brendan Fitzgerald, Justin Goff, Evan Pontone, and Jeremy Smith in front of an invitation-only congregation due to the coronavirus pandemic. It was the largest ordination class since 2003. Father Crowley will serve at St. Louis Clarksville and St. Francis of Assisi Fulton. Father Fitzgerald will serve at Sacred Heart in Glendon. Father Goff will return to the Pontifical North American College in Rome to further his studies. Father Pontone will serve at St. John the Evangelist in Severna Park. And Father Smith will serve at Immaculate Conception in Towson. For complete ordination coverage, including new priest profiles and video of the liturgy, visit catholicreview.org. With his parents watching via live stream from their home in Dundalk, Baltimore's own Archbishop Mitchell T. Rosansky was installed August 25th as the 10th Archbishop of St. Louis. A graduate of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Essex, Archbishop Rosansky was an auxiliary bishop of Baltimore for 10 years until his appointment as Bishop of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts in 2014. In an interview with the Catholic Review, Archbishop Rosansky credited his Baltimore upbringing with shaping his approach to ministry and leadership. Video of the installation mass and more can be seen at catholicreview.org. To mark the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in the United States, the Maryland Serving Bishops of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Archdiocese of Washington, and the Diocese of Wilmington are celebrating the pioneering women who fought for their right to vote. But they also acknowledge more work needs to be done even a century later to ensure equality for women. Quote, Given the contributions of women to the electorate over the last century, it seems almost inconceivable that so many did not support women's suffrage 100 years ago, including some of our predecessors. The bishops wrote in a letter released August 26th through the Maryland Catholic Conference, the Annapolis-based public policy arm of Maryland bishops. We express our deep gratitude for the women who devoted their lives to fighting for the dignity of women at a time when this was considered unacceptable, end quote. The full letter is available at catholicreview.org. With the start of school just days away, teachers, administrators, and staff joined Archbishop Laurie and members from the Department of Catholic Schools for a virtual convocation via live stream from the Church of the Nativity in Timonium, August 27th. The annual tradition officially kicks off the start of the school year for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Don't forget, we have a brand new website at catholicreview.org with all of your favorite stories and an upgraded search function. Remember to wear a mask and wash your hands often and maintain social distance whenever possible. And of course, best wishes to all families with school-aged children, teachers, and staff for a safe and successful start to the upcoming school year. On behalf of everyone at the Catholic Review, please be safe. I'm Kevin Parks.
With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic schools rise above. You are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matasek. We've been speaking with Dr. Robert J. Wicks, a clinical psychologist and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore. We're talking today about the stresses brought on by the coronavirus pandemic and what people can do to help alleviate some of the pressures brought on by the pandemic. Dr. Wicks, I think this is a time when people are both turning to God for support and answers, but also turning away from God out of fear or even doubt or some sort of anger. How can people maintain their relationship or renew their relationship with God when they are under so many pressures these days? Mm, that's a good question. I See, I see it slightly differently. When When people seem to be turning away, they may be turning to a deeper sense of God, like anger at God, like why did you allow this to happen, shows a sign of vitality in the person. I mean, there's a connection. You don't get really angry at somebody that that, that you, there's no connection with. So I, I see that really, and the whole feeling that they have about about religion as really being an opening. You know, a, a number of years ago, well-known writer and spiritual director asked to see me when she came in she shared that she was having panic attacks so i set up weekly mentoring sessions for her and when she came in for her third visit i suggested you know that instead of having the meeting in the office we walk around the lake outside and my sense was that the beauty and activity while we were walking and talking together would sort of put her in a more at ease and, and so that she'd be free to let go and go deeper into what was behind her fears. And halfway through the walk, she suddenly stops on the path and turns to me abruptly. And she asks me, and I remember a hoarse voice, will these panic attacks ever go away? And in return, I looked straight into her eyes, smiled and calmly replied, oh, without a doubt, that's not the problem. And I could see from the expression on her face that she was taken off guard. And finally, she found the words to ask, well, what exactly is the problem? And in response, I said to her, the true challenge is that before the panic disappears, whether you can take advantage of the time you are feeling so vulnerable by seeing yourself and life and God more deeply and in new ways before things return to normal. So I think the same can be said about, you know, a pandemic. You know, I think that, that that things will return to some level of normal. 
And when they return, will we still have a profound appreciation of the fact that life is fragile? We're going to die. That relationships matter. That simplicity can allow us to extract wonder from the joy of the quote-unquote little things. And that silence and solitude and wrapped in gratitude before God can really be a setting for deeper understanding and a sense of faith in something, for most of us, God, uh, in a way that really deepens the way we live, the way we relate to ourselves and the way we relate to others. So I see this as, you know, when you talk about, for example, in psychology, post-traumatic growth, what that means is that people who, in the one hand, don't romanticize what they're going through, they admit it. It's either terrible, you know, somebody dies from the virus, or it's at least discomforting or annoying. You got to do that. You can't gloss it over. But in the other hand, if you hold a sense of openness to where this can lead you, you can become deeper as a person and see God in ways that would not have been possible had the virus or stress not happened in the first place. Hmm. So we get a chance to get back to basics is what I'm saying. How has your own spiritual life been affected by the pandemic? Well, one of the things is that 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 I haven't yet had a chance to have more of the quiet time that other people's people have had because my work involves the prevention of secondary stress, the pressures experienced by people reaching out to others. So between the interviews and, and posts, uh, I haven't had the time, but what I did get out of those experiences is the sense of caring that many people have for others and the willingness to put themselves on hold without destroying themselves, of course, uh, that has touched me in a way that has called me to be more gentle with others and with myself. I'm very passionate, but I realize you, you need to prune that passion. I was with Henry Nowen years ago, and he said, you know, you speak a lot about availability, Bob, but availability is not just a problem. It's a, not just a gift. It's also a problem. And he said, you have to take something from scripture that would, 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 would work in this theme. I said, well, what? He said, well, I don't know. And we were up at Harvard in his little kitchen and in his apartment. And finally he said, well, I do know. It's pruning. When you prune something, it doesn't blossom less. It blossoms more richly. So one of the things I've been looking at is what can I prune? What are things that I'm just by habit, just going through the day and, and not realizing I don't need to spend that much time or that much attention on it. So that's what struck me and also the gratitude for that chance to sit in silence and solitude and wrapped in gratitude. All of a sudden, life has become more meaningful because I know it's so fragile. We've got about a minute and a half left. I understand you have a new book out. Could you tell us about that and how we can get it? Uh, yeah, it, the new book is is very different for me. I've done quite a few books. As a matter of fact, I asked a, a friend asked me recently, Bob, how many books have you published? And I told him, and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Bob, I think you need to get out more often. 
So, but this book is called Heartstorming, Creating a Place God Can Call Home. And it's published by Paulist Press, who publishes a lot of wonderful things. So I'm glad they published this book. But Heartstorming is probably the most personal uh, sharing of my own spirituality than I've done in all the other works I've written. And that's the first half of the book. It includes that sharing of my encounter. It includes what I consider to be one of the most major themes in the spiritual life, letting go. And then the second half are these very short chapters. I call them spiritual field notes that people can read quickly, no matter how busy they are, and carry them into the day and see what comes of it. Dr. Robert Wicks, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Our guest today has been Dr. Robert Wicks, clinical psychologist, best-selling author, and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland. For more information about Dr. Wicks, his work, and his publications, visit www.robertjwicks.com. Again, that address is www.robertjwicks.com. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.